Romans chapter 1 and 2 Corinthians 5. Let's pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this time we have together now. We believe that you're at work in our midst and in our lives. Thank you for your grace, your favor upon us. You're directing us in the way we should go. Lord, give us understanding and revelation of truth. May a spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him be upon us today. Thank you for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody ready? Romans 1, verse 17 says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Say that with me. The just shall live by faith. And now 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, 5, 7, it reads this way. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Say that with me. For we walk by faith, not by sight. The NIV says, for we live by faith, not by sight. And the NLT says, for we live by believing, not by seeing. Praise God. And so we began a few weeks ago. Uh, with a new series, new teaching message called Living by Faith. I've taught faith quite a few times over the years, but this was a brand new message, brand new approach, and I intentionally do that from time to time when dealing with <clears throat> a subject that I've dealt with before because uh, I, I recognize there's always more to learn, uh, there's more to see, and even um, from my perspective as the one doing the teaching along these lines, I don't know everything and there's more that the Lord wants to help me see and understand so that I can again um, explain those principles to you. Uh, but this is a, an amazing way to live when you think about it. I mean, we quote these scriptures and, and we read them again and again and many of us are familiar with this language uh, that the just shall live by faith. But think about the, the very phrase that we walk by faith and the, the next part, not by sight. I mean, if we really analyze that for a moment, we do not live by sight or seeing. That is a radical statement. <laughs> that is just like way out there. That we are going to live our lives not using our eyes. <laughs> and doesn't mean we don't use our eyes for anything, but the basis of our lives is believing something we don't see it is the foundation and the reason for our existence that is a wild statement and we've got to be able to grasp it we've got to be able to think about that and understand what that really means and how to live that type of life because it is not the norm and you know this by the way even within christian circles within churches it's not the norm i mean of course people get saved by faith, it's the only way to accept the mercy of, and grace of God. However, to live that way every single day of your life, base, basing it upon something you don't see, that's different. And you're not just going to accidentally do it. I just slipped into this and all of a sudden I found myself living by faith. No, no, your flesh will remind you. We like to see. 
We like to feel, we like to have physical, tangible evidence for everything. But the life of faith is superior to that. Now, in the world that we live in today, uh, there are those who are very um, critical of this type of life. There are those who would mock us and try to intimidate us for living by faith, acting as if we're uh, somehow a brick short. Know what I'm talking about? They will say, why would you do that? You are intentionally setting aside reason. (laughs) You are purposefully um, suspending critical thinking so that you can believe in something. And the thing is, they would consider that an insult to us, like there's something wrong with you to do that. But in reality, we're basing this on something that we know not something that we don't know. See, see, see. there's a, a misconception about the life of faith, it, it, and, and that is that a person, because of their weakness, because of their lack of understanding or something of that nature, they will just decide to believe. And it's kind of, ooh, we just kind of, believe we're not grounded in anything we don't know anything we don't value any we just we've just we just believe and it's kind of weird if that were truly what the life of faith would be about i think criticism could be just but how many understand again the faith life is not based upon what we don't know it is only there based upon what we do know and so it's not like, well, I don't know what to do, or I don't know what to do with my life, or I just don't know how I'm going to make it, so I'm just going to faith it. I'm just going to believe. No, I have a revelation of who God is. I have an understanding of what He has done for me. And based on that knowledge, I have put my faith in Him. This is a higher way of life. I think just the opposite might be, might be appropriate, might be true. For someone to imply that, that there's really a deficit in a person because they live a life of faith. Just the opposite's really true. I mean, really? Do you really want to live your life based entirely upon what you see and feel? Are, are really those the limitations of your existence? I mean, how small is that? How limited is that? See, this is, again, like I've said, a higher way of living. We are tapping into something powerful, something amazing, something that God has provided for us, okay? And so, again, it's the based on the revelation of God's will. You know, uh, the Bible tells us um, in one place over in, in Hebrews 11, speaks of people, it says that they obtained promises by faith. By faith, they obtained promises. How I many know if they obtained promises by faith, you and I are also going to obtain promises by faith, it's the only way we get what God has promised us. You see, the, the way the Lord gives us things, whether spiritual or physical or uh, emotional, whatever it is, the way the Lord gives us things is not by just uh, dropping it physically into our lap. Does that make sense? Where we're just kind of going along one day, we're just doing our own thing, we're believing whatever we want to believe, living our lives however we want to live, we're just living a natural life, and all of a sudden God gives us something. And we find, thump, oh, look at that, it's, I'm saved. 
I'm just going along and all of a sudden salvation was, get, was imparted to me. No. Or all of a sudden I'm going along and some other blessing from God just lands in my lap. And I look at it. And I see it and I use it. It might be nice. <laughs> but it does, it's not consistent with the faith life. The way that God gives us things is by giving us a word. How many know a word cannot be grabbed with the physical hand? I cannot physically lay hold of a word. I must use my inner man. I must use faith and believe the word. That will produce a physical result or manifestation in my life. Does that make sense? God wants to give you things, but he's not just going to dump it on your front porch. And you're going to go out there and open up the package and there it is. No, he gives you a word. And if you will, with the hand of faith, reach out and receive that word, it will become a physical reality in your life. Everything works that way. By faith, we obtain the promises. I don't know about you. I'm interested in this faith life. I'm interested in obtaining some things from the Lord that he has promised me. Okay? Faith in God is present when you know his character and his word. Outside of knowing God, what he has said, and what his character is, I can't really trust him. Do you know that you can't trust someone you don't know? If you walk up to a stranger, a stranger on the street walks up to you, and they tell you something, they ask you to do some things, and then they just say, well, trust me. Do you trust them? You should not trust them. Even if you're a trusting person, that's called foolishness. If I don't know you, I do not trust you. If you don't know me, you don't just automatically trust me. Now, I don't automatically have a distrust for people in general, but I can't trust someone beyond my knowledge of them, right? I, likewise, I can't trust God. Someone said, I'm having trouble trusting the Lord. Well, you just don't know him. You really don't. He is trustworthy. Even on a natural level, if, if you know me, I can use me because I know me best. If you, if you know me well, and tomorrow morning you got up and you got the newspaper out and right on the headlines, the local newspaper, it said, local pastor robs bank. <laughs> and you thought, wow, you wanted to find out who that was. And there was my name. <laughs> And it said, I robbed a bank. Uh, if you know me, you would say, something's not right about this. Uh, if you don't know me, I mean, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know if you'd do that. <laughs> well, that's because you don't know me and that your, your question would be genuine. You'd like, wow, too bad. <laughs> glad, glad I didn't join that church. <laughs> but if you know me, you'd say, something's wrong here. He's not a bank robber. He's not going to do that. I don't believe that. Something's, something's, something's going on here, right? Likewise with the Lord. When you get to know him, it, you become readily aware when false statements are made about him. When, when someone said, the Lord said this to me, or the Lord did this to me, or did this in my life, and, you know, you have red flags going up on the inside saying, well, no, he didn't. I know him. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. 
the more you know him, the more you recognize God is falsely accused of many things. Amen. But to the extent that I do know him, I can trust him. And he's ultimately trustworthy. Amen. In every situation, whereas a human being, any one of us could fail, we can be tempted. That's not ever going to happen with the Lord. And so knowing the different types of things God does in his children's lives rules out much of what he is accused of. Uh, when we talk about faith, we're, t- we're talking about the faith life. I have a question for you today. Two questions for you. Do we have faith or do we need faith? Do we have faith or do we need to get faith? Would that be a valuable question to, to, to ask? I, I think it's, it's necessary that we understand. It's kind of like if you, if you have, if you know about money, um, you know what it can do. You know the, the value and what it can uh, purchase for you. Let me know the next question is, um, do I have any? Or if not, how can I get some because of the value of what it can do? When we recognize that faith is necessary, for example, to obtain promises, to quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. I mean, there's much benefit to living the life of faith. I got to know if I have any. Or if I don't, do I need to get some? But we want to answer that question. And just real simply, the answer is yes. Everybody with me? Yes, the answer is yes. Do you have faith? Yes. Do you need to get faith? Yes. It all depends on which angle you're talking about. And I want to explain these things to you so you can be firmly grounded in it. I've been studying these principles and these truths for many years and, and continue to get more light. I'm thankful that the Lord has shown me more and more to help me to walk in this myself and to teach others. But faith is a part of the born-again spirit. And it is also necessary for us to have revelation of God's Word to influence our lives. Both things are true at the same time. Let me give you a couple examples from, from scriptures. Uh, I don't need you to turn to these. Uh, you're certainly welcome to um, if you'd like. But all believers have faith. That is a true statement. If you're saved, you've been born of God, you have faith. All right, let me show you that real quick. Romans 12, 3 says that God has dealt to each of us a measure of faith. Now he's going to. God has dealt to each of us. Now talking about all people in the world, talking about his family, talking about the body of Christ. He has dealt to you a measure of faith. Now that passage, if you read it in context, it's not talking about faith for healing or faith for answered prayer or things like that. That's faith for ministry. It's faith in connection to a grace gift uh, in your life. For example, um, not that pastoring is mentioned there, but it would, be, it would be true. I have faith to pastor. I have faith to do what I do. Most of you probably don't have faith to be a pastor. Well, it's not your call, not your assignment, so forth, so you would need that. All right. So there are some areas where God gives faith in relationship to what they are supposed to do in their lives, but he deals it to us. He hands it out to us based on what he wants us to do, all right? Nevertheless, it's true. We could all say this. A hundred percent of every born-again person in the house today, you could say biblically and scripturally, I have faith. Let's try that. Ready? I have faith. 
That's true. You're not a liar. You're biblical to say that. No matter what your knowledge level is or word level is, God has dealt to each and every one of us a measure of faith. Okay? Now, Galatians 5.22 is another verse. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and look at that last word, faithfulness. Faithfulness. Interesting, the Greek word there is the same word translated faith in other parts of the Bible. I think both are, are, uh, could be said would be uh, that they are true concerning the fruit of the Spirit. But you know, as a child of God, when you were born again, the Bible teaches that we have a, now a born-again spirit. God's Holy Spirit is connected and and indwells our human born-again spirit, and now that causes our spirit to produce stuff. What? Love, joy, peace. Do you know that you have the love of God? In every Christian, true Christian, has the love of God inside of them, even if they're mean, even if they're present tense, holding unforgiveness towards someone. They have, as a result of their salvation, the love of God in them. Same thing is true with patience. You know how people are always asking for prayer for patience? <laughs> Pray for me that I'll be... Well, honestly and truly, you have the patience of God inside of you. But how many know it's one thing to have it, it's another thing to yield to it? <laughs> one thing for that to be present, another thing for that to infiltrate and flood your mind and govern your actions, to live a patient life. But again, one of these things is faith. You have, by way of salvation, by right of the new birth, the faith of God deposited in your spirit, okay? So there is the potential now for each and every one of us to believe in the supernatural, the miraculous, the overflowing power and provision of God. You can do it. You are a believer. Amen. Now, Galatians 2.20 is another. Paul wrote here, he said, The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live by faith in the Son of God. Some literal translations will use the language, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The faith. In other words, there's kind of an implication that I'm not just living by what I believe in Him, but His faith has been deposited in me, and I'm using His faith to believe. Okay? Here's another one. 2 Peter 1.1. Peter spoke here about those who have obtained like precious faith not they're going to get it he said they have obtained like precious faith have you obtained like precious faith with peter i have obtained it all right so again i wanted to point out the this foundation that you and i have the potential to do this we are by nature and by right of the new creation believers so I'm having trouble. I'm a doubter. You're not a doubter. You're a believer who's doubting. Right? Just like, just like if I sin, that doesn't make me a sinner. No, my nature has already been changed. A lot of Christians are, you know, taught that, oh, we're all sinners. That's not biblical. That's not scriptural. That's Old Testament thinking. It shouldn't be taught. Okay, if I sin, I am still the righteousness of God in Christ who did a wrong thing. And in, when it comes to my praying, my, my, my faith walk, I am by nature, you are by nature a believer. Yeah, speak about yourself that way. 
think about yourself that way. It's not hard for me to believe. It's not hard for me to trust God. It's not hard for me to lay hold of God's promises because I am by nature. It is my place in Christ. It is the very thing he has made me to be. I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He's a believing father and I am a believing son. I was made in his likeness and his image by right of my physical creation. I I believe stuff. Amen. Do you know that outside of, now we're talking about the new birth and who we are in him. And that's true. We'll come back to that. But you know, just by being a human being, we were designed to believe even things we didn't see. It's in the, it's within the capacity of a human being to have faith and to lay hold of things unseen. Uh, This is, this stuff is even proven in uh, medical and scientific fields and, uh, you know, in psychological fields as well. They've discovered this. I mean, there's documentation for those who, you know, want to say, you know, I base everything I believe on fact. Okay, here's some fact <laughs> from, a, from that perspective. It's called the placebo effect. You don't have to be sa- saved to experience this. Anybody know what that is? That's when they've discovered sometimes when a person is sick, they've given them a pill that the, the patient believes is medicine. They believe it will cure them, but in reality, there's nothing to it. It's a sugar pill or something. There's no medicinal value to that pill, but the patient taking the pill gets cured. What is up with that? They believed something that wasn't even real, and it still changed their life, still changed their body, and produced a scientific change in their, in their body. Why? This is within the capacity of the human race. It really is. How much more if we base our believing on something that is real, something that God has promised, something that the Lord Jesus has done for us, we put our faith in that. Could that change our physical reality? Come on. Absolutely can, absolutely has, and absolutely will. You and I have the potential to do this. Now, much more so through the new birth, we are by nature. God calls us. We're believers. I mean, we are faith children of a faith God. He spoke the world into existence and taught us to do the same, to operate and to live by faith. Now, some have said, and I've heard people say, make this statement, faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. And uh, usually what they mean, what many people mean by that is well, you have faith, but some people don't have faith. That's because it's a gift. God gave it to one person, and the next person got whatever, got left out. You know, when God was handing out brains, someone thought they said trains and said, I already have one, that kind of thing. <laughs> but they, they, they speak of faith in that regard that... Uh, God, you know, you get faith, you get unbelief. You get faith, you get unbelief. And, and uh, that's not true. That's not scriptural. That God will give faith to some, not give faith to, faith to others. Is it true that faith is a gift? It absolutely is. Yeah. I mean, there are scriptures, Ephesians 2, 8 and other places. Uh, faith is a gift, but here's the deal. It's available to all. 
It's available to anyone. And if anyone will hear the word and choose to believe it, faith ignites in their heart. Amen. And so what do we do now with this issue? All believers have faith. And it seems to be, from the word, a deposit, a resident reality within our born-again spirits. Yet at the same time, we see language in the Scripture of varying degrees of faith. Almost like it's not a constant or a set issue. It is high and low, and there's different degrees of it. Let me give you some examples. Um, Without us reading these Scriptures, Jesus gave us some insights Mark 4.40, he spoke of those who had no faith. He said, dude, you don't have any faith. <laughs> Mark 6.30, he spoke of those who had little faith. You ever been insulted before? This is, this is, this is the worst kind. You have little faith. You little. In Mark 8.10, he spoke of one who had great faith. Uh, that, did I say Mark? Matthew 8.10, I meant. Second uh, Corinthians 10.15 speaks of increasing faith. Acts 6.8 speaks of a man who was full of faith. Romans 4.19 speaks of the, the possibility, the concept of being weak in faith. And so we've got the reality of both things in the Scripture, that you've got it, yet there are varying degrees. You can be strong in faith. You can be weak in faith. You can have increasing and growing faith. You can have wimpy, wimpy, wimpy faith. All right. I want to make sure I'm on the right side of this faith deal and and I'm able to obtain. Okay. When I'm strong in faith, when I'm full of faith, listen, there is no issue. There is no hindrance. There's no trouble with receiving the promises of God and walking in his plan. Okay, and so all these things are true. At salvation, the believer is given the supernatural faith of God. It came to us from hearing the word. We accepted, we're born again, and now it's, it's an abiding fruit of the Spirit in us. Okay, uh, this helps us to see our potential to live by faith. It's already a part of us, and we are by nature believers. Yet there's this issue. Where's my faith at? What's the faith level of my life and this is where we have to recognize another part of our existence and of our makeup and go with me if you would to Romans 10 Romans chapter 10 how many remember that we are three parts spirit soul and body all right Basically, the only part of us that completely changed when we were saved was our spirit. Okay? Did our soul change at all? Yeah. We made a decision. We became, it became influenced by our spirit. Our soul, meaning our mind and our will and our emotions, was definitely involved in salvation. But it didn't get a complete remake. You know, it didn't get a, get the makeover where it was perfected. That's an ongoing process. But the only part of us that was completely changed was our spirit being, the spirit man. That part of us has the faith of God, the love of God, the peace of God. And, uh, and God wrapped it up, sealed it up tight, and made it. Uh, we can't mess it up. It's good news. I mean, and, and, and we're, we're saved in the spirit. But the other parts of us are what we've got to work on. 
Because I do not relate to you simply out of my spirit. I do not relate to this world out of my spirit. I don't mean it doesn't influence me at all, but I can't directly just live a spirit life because my spirit is only on the planet because it's contained within a body and relates through a mind, through a soul. Body leaves, body dies, spirit takes off, takes soul along with it, right? But I've got to relate to this world through here through my mind and through my emotions. Therefore, if I'm going to obtain something out of the spirit realm, even out of my own born-again spirit, it's got to be grasped by my mind. I must understand that it's there, and I must think in accordance with what is true spiritually. Only then does it play an effect, does it play a role and have an effect in my natural life. Is that deep? I, I, I'm trying to make be ultimately uh, in completely simple and uh, plain here. Let's look at the scripture. We are spirit, soul, and body. But what about this other word? Romans 10, 10. 10 verse 10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the what? Everybody say heart. The heart is what the Bible said believes. My spirit doesn't have any issue with faith and believing. Zero issue. But the Bible doesn't say, with the spirit one believes unto righteousness. Now, now listen, my spirit is definitely involved in this. It is the powerhouse. It is the, 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 the base and the foundation of, all that I, of, all, of how I relate to God. But it must come out beyond who I am in Christ and influence my mind. That's why we have to be taught. That's why we have to see with the mind's eye. I have to see with the heart. Okay? My heart is what must believe in order for me to be saved. Or here, unto righteousness. Everybody good? Go to uh, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 22. Just a right turn from there, from where you were. When you got it, say amen. amen. If you don't, say oh me. <laughs> Let's read it anyway. I want to keep you all day. <laughs> Romans, uh, Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. How do we draw near? With our hearts. I draw near to him by faith. How many know we don't believe with the body? When we talk about heart, how many know we're not talking about the physical pump? Your physical heart has a job. You know, pump the blood, right? But that's not talking, well, I don't believe with my physical heart. This is talking about the inner man. This is talking about us on the inside. It's not about me believing outwardly. I must be convinced of something inwardly. Only inward believing can lay hold of God's promises. Only an inward belief can alter our lives according to God's will. Okay? Mark 11. 
Mark chapter 11. Verse 23, 11:23. Jesus speaking here, here says, "For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, "Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his what? In his heart, but believes." Does not doubt in his heart, but believes. The implication is he believes in his heart. Doubt exists in the heart. Belief exists in the heart. Doubt keeps us out. Believing allows us to enter in to all of God's promises and all of his plan for our lives. So I've got to get this thing settled. I've got to get what... God has said, and what resides in me through the new birth to influence my thinking. I've got to be persuaded on the inside of what is true, what's right. And this is a decision I make. It's interesting to me, we talk about the great advantages that we have with a new covenant based upon better promises, and that's, all, that's also very true. And all these things we've talked about today based on the new covenant are, are of great value to us. But the examples that were given in the Bible of what it looks like to live a life of faith, they come from Old Testament dudes. Dudes, male and female. Right? It comes from Old Testament people. Noah and Abraham and David and all these guys and some of the great exploits of faith. And watch, they were all spiritually dead. The examples, do it like Abraham, man. Follow his faith. But Abraham was spiritually dead. Everybody understand, in, in the, before Christ, a person could not be born again. Their faith was the Messiah was coming, that God would send a Savior. But until that time, they couldn't be transformed from the inside out. Yet, they're given as examples to our faith. Even in Jesus' ministry, he was on the earth. How many know everyone on the planet was spiritually dead? A hundred percent, besides him. Everyone was spiritually dead, yet he would go around ministering, and you'd see people healed. And if you know the New Testament, the vast majority of times, he always pointed to the individual's faith as the reason for them receiving their healing. Faith of an unsaved person, <laughs> or at least not born again. Faith of an unregenerate person. He said, that's what got you healed. Your faith made you whole. And blind Bartimaeus, got, he was blind and now he sees. And the woman with the issue of blood, he had a problem for 12 years, touched the hem of his garment and got healed. He said, your faith did it. And these are all people who are not even saved. So they don't even have that first list of scriptures. They don't have... Uh, a measure of faith dealt to them. They don't have these scriptures that apply to them. They simply believed the words of Jesus or the words of God, and that influenced them to where they were convinced in their heart to obtain a miracle. If that's true for them, how does this apply to us? How much more? See, what this has done is... 
you remember, we say this often in relationship to salvation and continually will, but Jesus said you must be born again to, to what? To see the kingdom of God. That means more than enter. You know what else it means? See. <laughs> it means to see the kingdom of God. There's a real truth in this, in this, in this life that we have that when we accepted the Lord, we now have spiritual sight that we never had before. That spiritual sight allows us to see a lot of these principles. Now we have the ability to believe much more than we could believe before. Yes, we have great advantage over those of the old covenant. They didn't even know about some of the things that there were available to them to believe. Okay? And again, you can't believe without knowledge. Knowledge is the foundation for believing. So what's our deal? How do we walk by faith? It is all about being convinced in our heart. It is the spirit and the soul on the inside of us that must be united, that must be convinced of what God has said. With my heart, I believe and I obtain. But what happens so frequently is we've, been, we've become accustomed to going back and forth. Let's say, for example, that this side here is, you guys are the, this is the physical world, okay? This is the natural realm, and this guy, you guys, you are in the spirit, all right? This is the kingdom of God. You can't be seen. You are there. Most of our lives, well, our lives before coming to the Lord, this is all we knew, this is all we based our decisions off of. This is all we knew existed. It wasn't that this didn't exist. It's always been there. We just didn't know it existed. We lived as if this was not there. And we lived our lives based upon this reality. And then one day, we heard the gospel. The gospel came to us. It was shared with us. And what happened was... <gasps> We saw something that was always, had always been there, but now we saw it. It became a reality to us. It opened the possibility for us to believe more than we see. I found out the reality, the fact of the existence of God's Word, of His Son dying for me. My eyes were opened. Now I can believe something over here. That continues to happen. What? More sight, more revelation, more knowledge, more understanding. And now I have the ability to believe more and more and more and more. And I don't see it all yet. I see everything I see, but I don't see it all. The more I grow in the revelation of what God has done and promised and provided for me, the more I have an opportunity to believe for more, thereby experience more of His promises and provision in my life oh it's exciting but here's the thing now since I see some stuff and I don't know how much I don't see but I'm growing in what I don't and I'm seeing more and more but even after I see it let's say I see all this I still have to make a choice every day because now I see two things 
And what I don't want to be caught up in is this. And that's where a lot of Christians live. We're looking here, and we're looking here, and we're looking here, and we're looking here, we're looking here, we're looking here. I'm just having trouble. I'm looking here, I'm looking here. I'm having trouble believing. How come this is not working for me? I'm looking here, I'm looking here, I'm looking here, and I'm looking here. That's called being, that's called wavering. The, the, another word for it is doubt. The word doubt means to waver. It means you go back and forth. It means we're looking at what we see, because we're used to looking at this. We've been looking at this our whole life. But now we found out something else. <gasps> but as soon as you start looking over here, as soon as you start looking at what God has said, as soon as you start looking at what God has made available, over here, they start yelling at you. <laughs> they start, over here, they start waving their hands and say, look over here. You didn't forget about us, did you? All your attention will be, they'll try to draw, and I say they'll, not, not like it's a real person, but the circumstances of life. And, you know, from a, a, a demonic standpoint, yeah. Vying for our attention. Look back over here. Put your faith in this over here. And that's what causes people to go back and forth and back and forth. But the way to live this life of faith, and I want to, I'll continue this thought and principle next time. But we've got we to gotta learn to look over here. We've got to learn to keep our focus over here. And we keep looking, and it's yelling over here. Your body's screaming at you. Your bank account's screaming at you. Your, your wife is screaming at you. <laughs> your, whatever, this world and all kinds of stuff is screaming at you. I'm not looking. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm saying I'm just not giving you my attention. I see something greater. I see something bigger. I see something that's more real than anything physical. It is the very living Word of God. And so I keep looking. I keep looking until that voice it sounds like a little mouse. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> and I only hear, thus saith the Lord, the Word of God. What am I doing? I'm convincing my heart. I'm getting my heart established and settled in what is the reality of God. In that, I can live in it. I can live by faith. Look, because the whole time I'm looking over here, I don't see anything, except for I see it in here. I see it through my understanding of God's Word. Amen. That's why we say at the beginning, this life is not for the faint of heart. It's not for those who just, you know, live for physical gratification, because the faith life is not about your physical body. It will produce benefits for your physical body. But your body is not what believes. Amen. It is with the heart that we believe. And so it's with the heart that we get convinced. Amen. Let's pick up there next time. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you today. We thank you so much for your faithfulness and your kindness toward us. We're so thankful for your word. It's life to us. It's health to all of our flesh. And Lord, we're endeavoring and learning to get our hearts established in truth, our hearts established in your grace, established in what you've provided and what you've said. Lord, we open up our lives to you. Show us, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Give us greater understanding. And we purpose today, we make a choice to believe, to believe what you've said. Thank you, Lord, for helping us in this. Thank you for your mercy when we've missed it. When we've been unbelieving, we've been wavering. 
Thank you for your mercy, but we purpose now to believe what's right, and to put our eyes on what's right and what's true. Thank you for helping us, Lord. You're bringing us up. You're bringing us up. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise. Thank you for it, Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, God is good. He's taking us up, isn't he? He's taking us higher, moving us on, taking us into greater things.